Welcome to the Sunbeam Chats podcast, a conversation about business, entrepreneurship, women, wellness, and more. I'm your host, Arlene Holden. Let's get started. Welcome to another episode of Sunbeam Chats. Today's guest is Catherine Agong, and we are talking about transportation planning. Catherine Agong is a transportation planner, engineer, and specialist, doing consulting and research to help people in public and private sector organizations solve their traffic, transportation, and parking problems. She's an expert in applying techniques for analyzing and resolving transport challenges. With a master's degree in transport planning and engineering from Edinburgh Napper University with chartered level professional status and several other professional certifications, her mission, as she has said, is to wake up every day to help people get from point A to point B with ease and to avoid the stress and inconvenience in doing so. Welcome, Catherine. Thank you, Ali, for having me here. Well, thank I'm you so much. to chat. Yeah, looking forward to it. Yes, thank you so very much. I'm so very pleased. And, you know, I was thinking about it and we were chatting earlier that this is perhaps not a topic that people um, might even think that exists in a, in a professional, you know, scenario or as a profession. Um, but it certainly exists because you are so very accomplished in this field, as I would have read from your bio. So let's just get straight into it and tell us, Catherine, um, you know, tell us about transport planning. What is it? really okay transport planning as it's known in europe um it's also known as transportation planning but it's exactly the same thing just slightly different terminology that is in my opinion is both an art and a both and, and a science and it's all about um gaining efficient movement of goods and people to and from different places um what we focus on as well is to get the balance right in terms of costs and benefits for transportation projects by different modes of transport be it private car walking cycling um, riverboats ferry you know any type of mode of transport and um of course bus included and so we try to get those that balance between costs and benefits right and we try to you know, meet the needs of people as they express them. Um, that is the direction transport planning is going into now. So in a nutshell, that that is, that is what it is. Okay. Um, I'll ask the question, I'll ask a little later on, you mentioned cost and benefit, and then we'll speak to that a little later on. But how did you discover this field? Because as I said, you know, it's like, okay, I know of city planning, because actually years ago I had a, a friend um, and I knew she was a city planner. Um, so how did you discover this field of transportation planning? Right, so transportation planning, what I forgot to say, is a subsection of civil engineering. Oh. Although in these days it does have sort of arms in city and urban planning, in environmental management, even in health. I find there's an overlap between transportation planning and, and health. Um, how I got into it, I was the, the idea first came to me when um, I would consistently get stuck in traffic on the way to school. I was going to school in Port of Spain and um, my aunt would be taking me and my sisters to school and we lived in 
a, a town called Diggle Martin at the time, which is a you know quite a developed suburban area. So there was a lot of traffic from Diggle Martin to go into Port of Spain, where everybody you know worked. And I I got really fed up of getting to school late. Number one, and number two, I would feel really anxious about it because there was a lot of um, you know the teachers were really strict and they would come down on you if you got to school late and we would always be late because of traffic and i remember reaching a particular part of the highway um from Diggle martin into port of speed i must have been something like seven years old right six or seven years old okay and every time we got to that part i would be praying that when we reach over the hill because you can see over the hill. I would be praying that when we go over the hill, there wouldn't be any traffic and we'd reach the school on time. And I thought there must be a way of getting rid of all of this traffic. Even at that little age, I thought there must be somebody whose job it is to solve this problem. Anyway, I, I kind of parked that thought aside. I went through my academic career um, with the intention of becoming a pediatrician. Um, yeah, I, I you know <laughs> very I, different, but yes, <laughs> very, very different, very very different. But in in those days, those were the careers to aspire towards, you know. Yeah. So I thought I'd be a pediatrician. Um, however, I didn't get the grades necessary to get into um, med school straight okay. away. So I thought I would do a, a year of something else at university and then transfer to med school. But I was so tired. I was so tired at the end of that year. I, I didn't do well enough to transfer into med, so it was like ha happening for the second time. And I thought, okay, let me just do something I know I'm good at. And I was always naturally good at geography. So I transferred after my first year of university, I transferred to the faculty that dealt with, um, with geography, but that was located in Jamaica. So I transferred to that. Um, and I and I did a geography and geology degree, and that within the geography degrees where I became exposed to the topic or re-exposed to the topic of traffic and transport and how that relates to to development. Um, so once I graduated, I started to look for opportunities to, you know, enter that career, and. So, yeah, that's how I got into it. I, I moved to the UK then with the intention of doing a master's degree in the subject. And um, I got a job in a local government organization um, who had, a, you know, a five-story building with people, you know, who was just focused on traffic and transport, different aspects of traffic and transport. So I got my work experience there first and I started my master's degree at the same time. So that's how I got into transportation planning. Interesting. Quite the journey <laughs> from being the little girl stuck yes. in traffic to, yes. you know, going to uh, university. And then it's interesting that you have these seeds um, that's planted in you from young. And then, you know, as you go along your career path and this journey, it kind of comes back. I mean, meaning you have been redirected along the way and kind of find yourself back to this initial spark of, you know, maybe, you know, I can't, you know, how can we treat with this whole traffic situation? I find that yeah. very interesting. Yeah. Um. So, a question because okay, transport planning, engineering, etc. Um, was it a difficult field to be in as a female? And if so, how yes, did you sort of thrive in the space? 
yeah most definitely very very difficult very very difficult and and again i started my career outside of trinidad and tobago which you have to because if this is um no master's degree or no training at all available in Caribbean as a whole, you always have in to this go type to, of study. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. To do transportation planning, you always have to go to America or um somewhere in Europe. You know, mostly it's England people go to because it's English speaking. Um so I mean around the world the ratio between women and men is about you know seventy percent men and 30% women and then to to add to you know the, the you know to add to it I started there my career mm -hmm. in, yeah I started my career in um in England and in England it's also dominated by white people black right. people or any kind of minority yes it, you know it, I mean in my in my 22 years I I very rarely I'm struggling to remember coming across somebody who was like myself in terms of ethnicity and culture and things like that. Yes. So um, that added to the, the difficulty that gender brings. Um, but having grown up and spent my formative years in Trinidad, um, I think it becomes a need to just persevere and to just find a way forward and just to, to, to power through Yes. Um, and, and to keep your eyes on your goals. So. You know, there are times when it would have been difficult being a woman in this field, but, uh, you know, I, I, early in my career, I would cry about it and things like that, but then I'd just dust myself off and, and, and carry on and always, always be triumphant in anything that I put my, my you know, hands and my mind to. Yes. Oh. And, and that you have but i mean from a high level when i say high level because again your bio and, and the qualifications right but what are some of the main uh areas of study that you have to get into that you have to do to be proficient in this space okay so, so so transportation planning like i said earlier has arms in all sorts of different um sectors as well and so for um your base sort of baseline qualification tends to be a degree in civil engineering or a degree in planning or a degree in geography. Those are tend to be the core first degrees that people have to have as a prerequisite to then get into a master's degree program. Okay. And you can't, you know, that's when you really, really become a, a transportation planner once you've completed your master's degree. Okay. in transportation planning or transportation engineering or like myself i did a combination of transportation planning and transportation engineering in my my master's degree um so that's and and once you finish your master's then you start doing other professional qualifications and specializing in other areas that don't really require a degree but still need some specialist um, knowledge and skills to be able to perform like traffic signals design and um, you know like road safety engineering so then you specialize then in, in things like public transport as well and then um, there's the professional qualifications and licenses as well on top of that so those are generally offered by um, 
you know, sector or subsector organizations who have accreditation to to um, generally a verbal exam alongside a portfolio of evidence to show you know your competencies your experience your qualifications and they really give you the sign off to, to say that you know yeah you're a professional um or chartered transportation planner so yeah. there's, there's 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 a lot to do to get to that point and i'm really proud to say I, i've done them all and it, it was very well worth it because with each, um, especially with the with the, the professional qualifications and the licenses, it it helps you to sit back and reflect on your strengths and your weaknesses, and you know where you need to fill gaps in your in your um, competencies. So um, after going through that process, which is really really rigorous, it it's um, yeah definitely um, gives you the the uh, what should I say the the professional um, tells everybody you've got the professional yeah. standards. Certified, yeah. Certified, 100% yeah. Certified, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah 100% <laughs> certified. Exactly. Yeah, yeah you you've got the experience, yeah, you've got the experience in, uh, as well as the um, the academic qualifications as well. Yeah, yeah. and that's, that's evidence. So. And that's how it should be, the experience and the qualification. And as you have said, you keep learning and upskilling along the way and what have you. And I would imagine a couple of years after, even now, they probably fall, you know, with all this technology. I'm sure they're probably introducing AI in the context of transportation planning. You know that, I would imagine. So you yeah. always have to be learning in whatever field that you're in, right? Yes, yes, yes. And and the beauty of being part of these sorts of professional bodies and organizations is that they give you the opportunity to do continuous professional development and thank god for you know covid in a way there's even more like webinars available to um along with the online resources that they provide to keep on top of the latest you know in your in your um, field of of professionalism yeah absolutely well, so this section is called traffic flows. <laughs> kind of pun there <laughs> in the context of dealing with traffic, but um, and so it started off actually with you being stuck in traffic, as we most of us are um, in big cities, in you know um, highly developed countries and what have you. There's this traffic. What exactly can be defined as traffic from your your training? What exactly is traffic, and and what should we understand about traffic? Traffic to most, um, you know, members of the public, most general people, when they when they use that term, terminology, they refer to traffic jams and traffic congestions. You quite hear, often hear people say, "Oh, there's so much traffic in town today," meaning there's so much congestion. There's you know very slow journey times, which is sitting and waiting for long periods of time before the the cars or the vehicles start moving but from a transportation planner's perspective the definition of traffic also includes other modes of transport so somebody who walks would be included in the definition of traffic somebody who's cycler cyclist or pedestrian or public transit would all be included in in the definition of traffic it's not yeah, it's not always um, referring to 
traffic jams or traffic congestions yeah. so and um, then as you said sorry uh, mode because you can be where is it in um venice and you know the, on the gondolas going through <laughs> the, the canals and there's traffic there as well right uh, yes yeah. so in that in that context the gondola would be traffic and they probably have traffic congestion on on the rivers i don't know which is you know tr- lots of gondolas probably trying to get through a particular point and so there would be transport planners i am sure who specialize in river traffic or river transport and they would try to solve the problems that the gondolas are experiencing as well yeah interesting so catherine um, i should say that catherine and i met in 2019 um when we were working and uh, when the government of Trinidad tobago um you know we hosted carrie fester and so i remember when catherine came in i think it was through ministry of works was it and, yes and it transportation was at the time and transport yeah yes and she came in with a very qualified competence i'm talking about traffic and having worked on um large um you said like the olympics and so on right because you you have worked on such um festivals and, and major events so that's when we met and since then catherine has you know as a professional stuck with me and as i said when i had this podcast i was like I, i would want to have you you know talk about your career um the feel your passion for it and then really just to speak to people in terms of inspiring people in in this space so catherine you would have spoken about your passion and love for uh, transportation planning and of course your your qualification speaks for itself and your training um how does one plan or what what are some of the considerations um one must have or a team of people must look at for planning let's say a concert a marathon or any event of that nature Right. So generally a, a transportation planner would be consulted with really early in the process. Um in some jurisdictions there are actual event transport planners in a department who um an organizer or an event person would have to consult with and get approvals with in order to have the event. But generally you're looking at where the demand for for transport with B in terms of the routes that people would use if they drive into the event and depending on the jurisdiction and the goals that they have with regards to sustainable transport they generally look for um what we call traffic demand based on the type and the size of the event we would be have ways and methods of predicting how many people would want to come to the event in terms of um, vehicular movements and depending on the goals with regards to sustainable transport in the jurisdiction they'll try to find ways of minimizing uh, the amount of people who would come to the event by their private cars and they do that by promoting and this way for people like you would come in and we would lease the people like you would with marketing and 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 promoting other modes of transport which is like park and rides or park and ride yeah. so taking the bus mm-hmm. yeah getting somebody to drop you off or if it's safe to do so walking yeah. um to the to the event and you see a lot of things like that happen with big mega concerts like um you know Beyonce's concerts uh any big mega star who's performing in a city like london um you know they would the they would promote 
not necessarily the promoters, but definitely the transport authority would be like, okay, this event is coming up and we want people to use the bus. This is the bus you can get to get to this event. This is how much it will cost. You know, when there's nothing, he'll carnival and things like that. You know, the marketing team will actually do really nice posters, um, incorporating the carnival culture, but distributing a message of how you could travel to the event by a sustainable mode. So it, depending on the event, it could be a very long process as well. I know for um, things like the 2012 Olympics or any other big sporting event, um, sometimes planning, transport planning happens years in advance, um, you know, three, four years in advance because it's a massive event of different modes of travel to consider. Um, sometimes it have to do um, changes to the actual road infrastructure and things like that are beneficial because they leave a lasting, um, you know, positive impact after long after the event is, is finished. So um, that in a nutshell is how the process takes place generally. Um, it's stronger in some countries depending, like I said, on the laws and legislation they have in place to promote things like sustainable transport, which is using um, transport that doesn't rely on um, the private car basically to try and reduce emissions and things like that um even these days now um an emerging topic in transportation planning is healthy transport which is finding ways and means of encouraging people to use walking or cycling to travel and in so doing include their daily steps and their daily exercise because they're using their own you know human power to transport themselves yeah, yeah. well mm -hmm. Catherine as we come to a close any final words on you know someone wants to get into this field I mean um, I've learned so much and it's interesting that I listen to your language because this is in fact and indeed a, a career and that this certain terminology that you use which speaks to your training and how you view things whereas a layman would say okay well this that and the other so I so appreciate this conversation it's been really truly enlightening uh, so any final words on um, this field and encouraging people just even also to how to view traffic and we know traffic is not just vehicular traffic um, so what would you like to say? Yeah, I, I, I would like to say that, you know, the, because of the climate crisis and the large contribution that transport makes to, um, you know, impacting, obviously impacting particularly our air quality, it does uh, impact, you know, noise and things like that as well. Um, I think it's an exciting time for transportation planners, but a daunting time as well, because we have the task without necessarily having the training to convince other people to communicate our thoughts and our ideas to the lay people person, and which, which will include decision makers to convince them that, you know, we have really good ideas of how we could change the, the way people move from point A to point B 
and get that benefit of environmental um, improvement or reduce the impact of transport and the environment. So it's a really interesting time. And I think in regions such as ours in the Caribbean and in Trinidad, there will be opportunities in the future for um, people to, to, to get into the field even locally. Um, and um, yeah, I just, I just want to um, encourage people to support where possible the ideas that we might put out there and to not be afraid to reach out even if it's the need to, you know, get information or clarification or ask questions about, about my field. I'm always happy to talk about it. And well, where can yeah, we find I'm, you, Catherine? Yes. Um, the best place to find me is on LinkedIn. Um, I'm the only Catherine Agong on LinkedIn, Catherine with a K. So um, people are free to message me on, on LinkedIn. And I also have a Gmail um, address. So it's just catherineagong at gmail.com. And I'm always happy to, you know, receive messages from from anyone, basically. Um, so yeah, that's how people could get in touch with me. Well, thank you so much again, Catherine. It's been a pleasure and very informative. And again, wish you all the best and continue doing what you're doing and thriving in your field. Thanks so much, Arlene. I really enjoyed it. And yeah, it's been great. Thank you so much. This has been Sunbeam Chats with Arlene Hallman. Be sure to download the podcast for more great inspiring stories. And don't forget, follow Sunbeam Chats on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you for listening. Until next time. Remember, keep shining and thriving.